about glory of God, there's a lot of images that can be conjured up in our mind about what the glory of God looks like. And uh, I've gone through an exercise before with people to have them describe for me what is the glory of God or what comes into your mind when you think about the glory of God. And many times people will have a picture of heaven. They'll see the throne of God. They'll see the brilliant light and radiance of God's presence. Uh, They'll see angels, and they'll see um, all these beautiful descriptions that we see in the book of Revelation or perhaps Isaiah or Ezekiel about these magnificent scenes of God's glory. And I think all of those are right and true. And to be honest with you, I don't think our imagination can ascend high enough to be able to capture what the glory of God is going to be like. And we will, for all of the ages, into all of eternity, be discovering more facets and greatness and splendor of God's glory. The Bible tells us that in the book of of Ezekiel, that the angels, and also in Revelation, that the angels and the elders that are before the throne of God, that as they circle his throne, they search for words to try to capture the splendor of God, but the only word that they can utter is glory. And with that, they all fall down on their face and begin to worship him again. Then they get up, they they get a new perspective by encircling the throne of God, and then all they can say is glory, and they fall down and begin to worship him again. They've been doing that throughout the ages, and we will join them in that throughout the ages to come as we see the glory of God. But I want us today to look into some of the purposes for the glory of God and that we can see his intent and his desire of what he wants his glory to accomplish. And we start out with a great character in God's word called Moses. We find a scripture in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. Moses is someone who had a desire to experience the glory of God. And he says this simple simple verse here. It says in verse 18, Then Moses said to the Lord, Now show me your glory. There was a cry, a desperation in the heart of Moses to see God in his brilliance and in his radiance. And we know that Moses would not only see that glory, but he would be touched by that glory. Moses would receive the glory of God so that when he came down off of the mountain after meeting with God and receiving the Ten Commandments, the Bible says that his face shone with the glory of God and that the people had to put a veil over his face because they could not stand that brilliance. What a scene that we have here in the Old Testament of God's glory revealed to a man named Moses and then shared with Moses so that the people of Israel could also, they could also testify of God's glory to the people of Israel. I've heard some, a lot of definitions about the glory of God and what it actually is. One of the best that I've heard that I think really rings true is that the glory of God is the outward expression of his inward holiness. Let me say it again. It's not in your notes, but it's an outward expression of God's inward, inward holiness. So, you know, there is nothing hidden in the Lord. He is one who reveals, and his glory is simply a revealing of his inner life. It is a, it is a, a bursting forth of the holiness and the light and the brilliance of God, his personality, his character, his nature, his presence. It is being displayed throughout the universe. 
The Bible says to us that the stars uh, and the sun and the planets, they display the glory of God. And as mentioned, for all of eternity, you and I will never come to the end of our discovery process of that glory. But I want to look at some scriptures today. Point number one in your notes, that God has created us as vessels for his glory. Maybe you have asked yourself the question, not in the light of this subject, but I found that people ask this question all over the world, whether in a, they're in a place like Suwon or they're in some remote mountain valley of the Himalayas, why am I here? <laughs> How did I get here? What is my purpose for being on planet earth? And God has engineered and constructed our lives, whether we're following him or not, for a very specific purpose, and that is to share in his glory and to reveal his glory to the universe. And we find one of those incredible scriptures here in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and verse 7. It's in your notes. I'll read it. It says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who has formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. Everyone who is called by my name, I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You know, this begins to expose for us some of the intentions of God in creating you and I, that we were formed and made and created to be recipients of the glory of God. And we're going to bring this home and how this relates to you right here in Suwon or wherever you're going to go to work tomorrow. That doesn't mean that you're going to be in your break room and all of a sudden you're going to burst forth with radiant glory. If that happens, great Call me, we'll film it, put it on YouTube, I want to see it. But what it does mean is that it it reveals these scriptures and more. It shows us that God has an intention for us. And by understanding and discovering God's intention, it helps us to join him in that process. God has a desire that his glory be shared with the universe. And he has made us for the express purpose of being used to help him accomplish that mission and objective. It's, it's, it's pretty colossal, really, if you think about it. Sometimes we can feel like our life is so finite that it's small. What could I ever do? How could God ever use me? What's going on in my life? Isn't there something more? And the answer to all of those questions are, yes, there is something more for you. And I want to be careful this morning that we're not just thinking and looking into an age that will come, even though the glory that will be seen there is beyond our imagination, but there is a time now, right here in 2013, that God's design and his desire is to begin to share his glory with you. And we're going to see today how that comes to pass. You were created for my glory, God says. It's why I formed you and why I made you. In Romans chapter 9, verses 22 through 23, in the next text that comes in your notes, it says this, this is so beautiful. What if God, a question is being posed here, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. How many of you are recipients of the mercy of God? 
Aren't you grateful for that? That you didn't get what you deserved? That in the place of wrath, God brought forgiveness, God brought love, God brought healing to your heart. And he's doing those things because in God's great plan, (laughs) which really is hard for our minds to wrap around sometimes, one of the ways that the glory of God will, will be displayed throughout the universe is that he takes people who were deserving of wrath, who were deserving of judgment, who were deserving of destruction. He takes people who were dead in their sin and trespasses, and instead of giving them what they deserve, and in order to express his glory, he reaches down and takes them and forgives them and loves them, brings them into himself, and exalts them into a high place so that his glory can be seen throughout all of creation. Amen? This, you are a part of the process, your forgiveness, your cleansing, your walk before God, your mission in this world, you being rescued from darkness and translated into his marvelous light is all a part of the process engineered by God to reveal his glory to the world. It's not God just sitting on his throne saying, let me show you how strong I am. Let me show you all of what I can do. But it's God taking these vessels that were that were 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 destined for destruction, forgiving them, lifting them up, and then saying, Look at my glory, who I how I could take something that was on the wrong path, I could redeem them, and now they can be used to represent me throughout the universe. What a glorious sign that God gives us. You know, I've given the example before, but growing up in, in Texas for the first, first many years of my life, um, my, my mother is someone who always, in the morning, she loved to sing. Yeah. And that used to grate on me, to be honest with you, when I was really young, because I'm kind of a slow riser. I, I, I don't get, I don't, don't necessarily like getting up real early. I've changed that a little bit. But, but my mom used to come into my room in the morning. She'd throw open the blinds, and she'd just start singing. And, and, you know, there was just that little bit of thing inside of me that says, Mom, please don't, please don't, please don't do that. Hopefully she's not going to be listening to this sermon online today. Mom, I'm sorry. I, here's a true confession. Um, but but then, you know, she had, in, in different rooms throughout the house, she had hung from the, the window these beautiful little crystals. And it wasn't because she was into New Age or anything like that. She just loved that when the sunlight came in and they hit these crystals, it reflected this beautiful myriad of different colors throughout the house. And you could go and tap on the little crystal and all these beautiful reflections would shimmer across the walls. And, and, and that image has stuck with me throughout the years of waking up, my mom opening the curtains in my room, and my my room and the walls and the ceiling being filled with all of these beautiful colors that were reflecting the sun. And that is so much how God has designed us, to be a reflection of his glory and to display in a unique way the colors of God 
throughout our world, throughout this universe. That each one of us cut in a different shape and form, each one of us of different shape and size, can be used uniquely to express a side of the personality of the love and of the forgiveness of God, and we can express it both now in this world and in the age to come. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that this is really one of the main reasons that God has created the world, And that God has created you and I. So that we could be used for this single purpose of expressing God's glory throughout the universe. This applies to us as individuals. It also, I don't have scriptures here this morning because I didn't have room on this piece of paper. But we see in scripture that God also designs nations for this very purpose. That nations are constructed and engineered by God to express a side of his personality and character and nature that is unique to each nation. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, the Bible describes a scene in heaven where a great multitude is gathered before the throne of God that cannot be counted, that they are redeemed and singing the song of worthy is the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. They are gathered there from every single tribe, tongue, and nation, and each one of them sings praises to God that is unique to their tribe, that is unique to their language and tongue, that is unique to those specific people groups, and all of them singing together display different notes or sound different notes, harmonizing together, and all giving God glory that is unique as he comes through each one of them. God doing the same through our individual lives. Perhaps a good question for us today in 2013, perhaps a good question for you tomorrow as you go to work, how are people around you seeing the glory of God being expressed through your life? Do they look at you any different than their non-Christian friends? Can they see the expression of God through your, or hear it through your speech? Can they see it through your actions? Is your life on display to reveal the nature of God, the personality of God, and for you to step into that grand design and purpose that you were put here on earth for, and you were created, as we saw here in Isaiah 43, created for my glory, formed and fashioned to express my will and purpose in the universe and right here where you are today in Korea. You know, the sooner that we can see God's grand scheme, the more it will help our heart align itself to what God is trying to bring us into. And we're not left alone in this process. God doesn't say, hey, do your best and try to uh, be the best example for, for me. Just like that crystal that hangs in the window, all it is, its intention is caught up in just receiving the light in just embracing that warm glow. And the rest happens quite naturally as it reflects, as it was designed and created, the beautiful colors of the sun that falls upon it. So it is with you and I, that if we will make our great intent to bask in the light of God's presence, the book of John tells us that if we will walk in the light as he is in the light, that if we'll have no fellowship with darkness, then God's light will be presented to the world. God will receive the glory. Walk in the light. Know that light. 
recognize that God has created you for a grand scheme and a grand purpose, and that is to reveal his glory. Let's look at point number two and look out how this glory was lost temporarily. Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. We'll read it. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. It says this, um, then the eyes, the, the, let me set this up just for a moment. God in Genesis chapter 2 had created so many things. He had formed man in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. He said, I've created you in my image. He made the, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the beasts that were on the field, everything that creeps upon the earth. And he, he, uh, he tells them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he also gives them the tree of life. And then uh, something happens here in chapter 3 and verse 7 that Satan comes to them, we know, and deceives Eve, and they eat the fruit that God had forbidden, and something happens to them. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. So here it is that before this event, Adam and Eve, if we can let our imagination go there for a moment, were in the garden without any clothes on. Yeah? And there they did not recognize there was no shame involved uh, because their eyes were focused solely upon the Lord. Their God consciousness, their awareness of God was so intent, they were so fixed on the brightness and in the glory and in their union and relationship with God that it gave them no thought about their own self, except in the image and light of God, or about the people around them. But as soon as sin entered the scene, all of a sudden their God-conscious eyes were closed or dimmed, and their self-conscious eyes were opened, and they began to recognize how inferior they were, how how um, inferior people were around them, and then they began to hide themselves in shame, from God's glory and his presence. And it says here in verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man in verse 9, Where are you? In verse 10 he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. So here they are, one day walking with this beauty, in the beautiful countenance of God's glory. And the next day, they are hiding from the presence of God through fear and through shame. And let me, let me just make this point that really the, 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 the opposite, as I have come to find out in God's word, as I have looked into this subject, the, the, the best perhaps definition that I can give to the opposite of the glory of God is shame. The glory of God speaks of transparency, speaks of an expression of something inward. It, it speaks, as we define it, that the glory of God is the outward expression of an inward holiness. That there is, is, is nothing inside of you that at all that wants to, to hide or draw back. Everything is seen. Everything is transparent. But for some of us, we're frightened of that today because of guilt, because of mistakes, because of failures, because of things that we've gone through in life we don't really want people to see. And so the devil in his scheme and strategy to prevent the glory of God from being displayed throughout the universe 
and through his chief instrument to display that glory, mankind, devised a scheme to cloak man in shame that would cause him to run for the shadows, to run from the darkness and hide himself from his creator. Was it just to stop mankind? I don't believe so. It was to detract that glory from God that was so, God was so intent in expressing to the universe. And, and Satan knew that man was one of the chief instruments of displaying God's glory throughout all of creation. And if he could blanket and shroud mankind in shame, then a part of his wonderful scheme, the devil's scheme, could thwart God's purposes. And if we're not careful, we can play into this today. I talk to so many people, and I myself know as someone who is 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 fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3 tells us, all of us have uh, from his glory because of sin and because of death, that this shame is is that, that sometimes we get caught up in, where we're fearful of coming before God because of feelings of guilt or condemnation, where our heart hides things because we can't deal with the glorious light of God. I've asked people many times, tell me about your prayer life. They begin to express to me how difficult they find it to approach God because of feelings of shame or guilt that fill their heart. For many times, and many times, people's prayer life is spent with, oh God, please forgive me for what I did yesterday or what I did an hour ago. Oh God, please forgive me because I've messed up again. But where are the people that the Bible describes for us in Hebrews who can stand before God's presence knowing that their sins have been washed, knowing that there is no accusation against them, that they can stand before God's presence without any guilt, without any shame, and they can stand there as they were created to see God's glory, to receive God's glory, and to demonstrate God's glory in this world. My friends, this is why you were put on earth. It's not to just have a successful life. It's not to just bank as much money as you can. It's not to just lay up treasures for yourself in this world. But it is to reflect the nature and the glory of God. And that can start right where you are today. What if the glory of God could be seen even greater in our marriages What if the glory of God could be seen in our relationships, in our finances, in health in our bodies, in clarity in our mind, in our thinking? I think one of the first steps to receiving and to utilizing and appropriating that glory is recognizing why we were created. You, God said to Jacob, you were created for my glory. It is your purpose. So by recognizing it, by seeing it, knowing it, we can come into an alignment and join God in his great task of seeing his glory expressed to all living things. We can say, God, here is my life. I don't deserve this. I can't make myself glorious. I have nothing to offer to you except this instrument. And Lord, if you will do but a work in my heart, I believe and I agree and I join in you in your process of seeing your glory revealed through me. The wonderful thing about this process is that not only is God's glory revealed to the people around you, your relationships, your work colleagues, 
But in that process, something glorious happens to you. And I want to show you one of those beautiful examples under point number three. We find glory restored in God's great plan in reintroducing this this wonderful glory to our lives in Colossians chapter 1, 26 through 28. Let's read that. It says, The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but has been revealed to his saints that you and I, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, if you are a Christian today, if you have called upon the name of the Lord, if you have embraced his life within you, then my friend, you have that seed of hope that you can express the glory of God. If you, in your own strength and power, begin to say, how in the world could I reveal the glory of God? I would probably agree with you. Nope, there is no hope for you or for I. But if we will embrace Christ in us, which is our hope to be used for the glory of God and recognize that his life has been invested within us so that we could sing forth the praises of God, there we find hope. There we find our future. That our life is not just a partnership with Christ, walking hand with hand, hand in hand with him through the journey of, of life. It's not a life with Christ It is a life by Christ. It's not a partnership with Christ. It is a possession where he comes in, he possesses us. Paul would say, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who now lives inside of me. And because Christ has made his residence in your heart, there you can have hope and cling out to and anchor yourself in the fact that Christ is in me, and he is my hope of glory. And if I will but cling to him, if I will but listen to him, if I will but follow him, God can express himself through my life. This is my hope. In my own strength, I'll utterly fail day after day. But if I take my hands off of my own abilities and I cling to Christ, and I know that Christ has been given to me, as a part of God's purpose of restoring this cosmic plan of us being used to display his glory. And the only way that he could do that was to put a new nature inside of us. The old nature being corrupted, the old nature there was no hope for, it could not be salvaged, it could not be cleaned up, it could not be justified or sanctified, it could only be replaced by a new nature. And so Christ on the cross put to death the old nature and then in his life imparts through his presence in our heart a new nature which puts us back on the path of being the recipients of God's glory and the ability to display God's glory to all of creation. There is hope in Christ today to be used for this grand purpose. The next beautiful scripture we find in Exodus chapter 29. This is speaking, this is commandments that God gives Moses and those who are charged with the temple or tabernacle. Those who are given by God the instructions to use the tabernacle to worship the Lord. And we see here in Exodus 29, verses 43 through 46. <clears throat> and there, will meet, uh, there I will meet with the children of Israel, 
and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle and the meeting meeting at the altar, and I will consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister uh, to me as priests, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and be their God. Look at the, the, the process that God uses to sanctify the tabernacle. God says, you know, there was instructions that he gave to Aaron to cleanse the temple, to cleanse the tabernacle. He had to make sacrifices. He had to sprinkle the blood of those sacrifices upon all the implements that were in the tabernacle. But ultimately, that tabernacle was sanctified or it was made holy by the glory of God coming down and dwelling in that tabernacle. And the act of God's presence filling that tabernacle cleansed everything and consecrated it before God. And the wonderful news for you and I today is that Paul would tell us three times in his writings that don't you know that you have become the tabernacle or temple of God? That your body is no longer your own, but you've been purchased by the, by the work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And the very way that you and I are sanctified or made holy before God is not by showing up at church, not by giving larger offerings, not by praying longer or spending you know, more time in service before God. All of those things are good things to do. But what consecrates us, what makes us holy, and what makes us fit to display the glory of God is his presence and his glory being given to us that consecrates us, that makes us holy, and that makes us able to reveal who God is to this world. And this takes the struggle out of our own hands to try to prepare ourselves or to make this house clean so that God can then enter it and it can be used for him. My friends, you can never do enough to make this temple clean, to make your tabernacle clean. It is only by his grace that he comes in, and it is the act of his indwelling presence that sanctifies you and that makes you holy. It is apart from rules and regulations. This is what Paul would talk about in Romans as he spoke of David. David was made righteous apart from the law. He was sanctified apart from the law. And God, in his wonderful design, not only wants to use you for his glory, but God will sanctify you as a vessel fit to express his glory to the world. What a wonderful package delivered to you and I that has everything in it we need to achieve God's grand purpose. And finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8 and verse 18, it says this, that the old way with laws etched in stone, led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the glory of God, and even though the brightness was already fading away, verse 8, shouldn't we expect far greater glory uh, under the new way? That is by Christ coming to us today. And that the Holy Spirit is giving life. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. This text compares an old way and a new way. It says that the old way was glorious. Here the face of Moses shone with the glory of God because he encountered God on the mountain. 
and if the glory of God could be revealed through humanity by a set of old principles that were etched in stone, how much more glory is given to us today to reflect and administrate this glory by people who were following a, not an old way, but a new way. By God not writing on stone, but now God writing in a living way in our heart. That the purpose of this new covenant as revealed to us in the book of Hebrews is that God would take his law, he would write it upon our mind, he would put it in our heart, so that from the inside out we would desire to obey God, and there we would reflect his glory. If the old way was glorious, how much more is the new way? You know, as you and I begin to come into an understanding of why we are created, we are created for the glory of God. Hopefully, it will lay down for us a blueprint as we walk through life, a roadmap in our decisions that we could get up in our morning times of devotion before the Lord and say, Lord, how can your glory be expressed through my life today? How can it be expressed through my speech, my interaction with my spouse, or with, through my relationships with my children, as an employer, as an employee, in my financial decisions? God, how can your glory be expressed through my life? How can I demonstrate to others that you are true and that you are known? God called the nation of Israel to himself in Ezekiel chapter 36 in verse 23. He says these words to the nation. It's not in your notes here, but he says, Israel, you have profaned my name among the nations. You have not represented me before all the peoples of the world. But in spite of your actions, in spite of your blasphemy of me, I am going to take you, I'm going to fill you with my presence, I'm going to make you holy, and I'm going to display to all the nations of the world that I am real and that I am true. This was God's purpose for the nation of Israel to express to the nations and tribes and tongues across the planet that God was true and that God is real, and a part of that is still being played out today. It was good for a nation, and it's good for an individual. You are designed to be God's mouthpiece wherever he has placed you today, in that workplace, in that apartment building, in your neighborhood, in relationships, wherever you find yourself. God has created you for a single purpose of reflecting his glory. You get all the residual benefits of being used for that purpose. You get filled with the life of God. You get filled with the peace of God, with the joy of God. Because all of those things embraced in your heart take someone who was destined for wrath, turn you into a recipient of God's grace so that out of your heart you can sing God's praises, I once was lost but now I'm found, what a beautiful love I've been given. And those words out of your lips express something of the beautiful love of God that he gets raptured up in. We might as well start practicing this today. We're going to be doing it for all of eternity, and there is some great cosmic universal purpose, which the Bible says is even a mystery to us today, but that God will unravel for us in the ages to come, and we will see how we are part of the huge network grid of God, and that as he flips on the lights, and his glory comes through us to be displayed throughout all of the universe. God prepared this for us 
even before the world began. It says here in the book of uh, uh, Romans that we read earlier, God's prepared it for us. I hope that today, this week to come, that we can meet with the Holy Spirit, that we can have God open our eyes and reveal to us how practically in our life we can walk and display this glory. We're not called to do it alone. He's put Christ in us, our hope of glory. He's sanctified us by his presence that has come in our life. He has prepared us and made us fit for service. Now we can get into agreement with God, say, Lord, use me for your glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words that have come to our heart today, that you have purposed us for something so grand, something so literally glorious that it's hard for us to comprehend. Lord, it's easy for us to get wrapped up in the details of life, sometimes in the pressures and in the stress, and forget that we are called to a higher purpose, and that is to reflect your nature wherever we stand, wherever we live, wherever we walk out our life. But I pray that today, God, you would begin to awaken our hearts, that you would begin to reveal to our minds and to our spirits that glory, your glory, is... There's a reservoir of it, God, and it it needs to get through us, not just stop with us. It needs to get through us so that your name can be exalted, so that your praises can be declared. Lord, let us awaken to this beautiful reality, and let us look for those opportunities even in the days ahead to reveal your glory to those people that are closest to us, where there's been strife, where there's been hurt, where there's been pain, where there's been offense in our heart, Lord, we pray that in those areas, room would be made for your presence and your glory, that just as you forgave us, called us out of darkness into your light, and how that process revealed your glory, Lord, let us look for these areas in our life where forgiveness needs to be worked where pain exists. And Lord, let those areas that are sometimes so sensitive and hard to to deal with, but let your your glory touch those areas. And let it also be a, a praise of our life that where we harbored things in our heart, now the light of God, now the peace of God, now the joy of God, Now the presence of God is experienced. Father, let us awaken to the glory that you've created us for. And let us be used for that glorious purpose in this world, in this life, and in the one to come. Let us get busy with this process, God. Let us join you. Let us walk in this journey with you, God, to reveal your wonderful nature to the world around us. Father, we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.